Welcome to the SBCA Podcast, Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Well, welcome everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to talk about people. Specifically, we are going to talk about how to hire better and train more effectively. And I'm joined today by Dolly Penland, owner of Business Results and a workforce expert who also happens to be a kindred spirit. Dolly, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. It is exciting to have you on. Okay, so Dolly, let's talk about you first, and let's talk about your company, Business Results. Why did you start your company, and what is its mission exactly? Years ago, uh, for many, many years, I was a business advice columnist, so um, writing everything about uh, from startup to uh, inventory management systems, so everything about businesses. So I've I've just been steeped in um, well-run machines that I really just enjoy that a lot. So when I was transitioning, looking for a, you know, a a chapter two, if you will, um, I was like, what can I do with all this information that's, you know, buzzing around my brain? And I was like, I can help companies by helping them work better with their people. Because the one thing that was thematic over the course of my, um, that column that I wrote uh, over a decade was people issues. They just came up in all kinds of things. It was like, you know, safety, people issue, right? Um, sales, increasing sales, people issue. So it just was so consistent and um, u- ubiquitous, I guess you could say, that I was like, well, what can I do? And I was looking for uh, a way to help all kinds of businesses. So as you know, um, I work with a, a lot of uh, different member firms, but I also have uh, credit unions, I've got retail, I've got health systems. So the one commonality uh, in business is people. So I am a a people expert and I use data uh, assessments, people assessments to help organizations pre-hire to retire, ideally. Hmm. And when we're doing that, we want to make sure that we understand not just who the people are that we're hiring, but what do we do with them once we get them into our organizations. So the vision for my company originally was, um, you know, just being committed to helping my client companies invest in their people because when they invest in their people, and I'm not talking about huge dollar spends, I'm talking about genuinely, empathetically on a people level, understanding who my people are. Because when you do that and your employees know that you care about them, that you're invested in them personally, they'll contribute back to their communities. So basically, I'm looking at each community as being local. Hmm. If we build those great communities, we're also building better businesses. And when you hire right and you manage more effectively, that's basically how you get maximum business results, hence my company's name. I love it. That, that was a purposeful uh, name choice. <laughs> that's pretty good. A people person focusing on people. That's awesome. So, okay. <laughs> well, well, here's the other thing. It's not just for people, people. Uh, you and I, uh, talkers, <laughs> right? We're, we're people, yeah. people, right? We can't help it. Yeah, um, we can't. My my people who are more task focused, they're still people too. They are, after all, humans. I mean, you know, <laughs> Wait, I'm aren't sure they just machines? Hey, man, I know there's some folks on this call going, yeah, they're automatons. I'd prefer that, right? No, we we still have to understand that, you know, it's a rich human experience. For my folks who do think of it in terms of like the, you know, I'm paying you to be here, do what I told you to do. 
I tell them to look at it from a data point of view. I'm putting data on humans, right? So it's like, it's not that touchy, feely, squishy, stupid human stuff, right? It's actually looking at the numbers, the information, and understanding that each unique person has their own unique uh, perspectives, their own unique way of thinking about, uh, you know, different issues, problems, challenges. And when I can position uh, issues, problems, challenges in a way that a unique person will see it, hear it, they will do it, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that I need them to do more efficiently and more likely to do it correctly the first time. So that you don't have to go back and go, Hey, do that again, do that again. It's like, so we're taking the, the, the squishy, stupid human piece out and we're turning it into information or data. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Data. Okay. So in collecting this data over the years, you've become a leading expert on evaluation tools that are collecting this data, right? That these are things that employers can use to make better decisions I guess about fitting the right people, I guess, in the right places and giving them work, a work environment that they need in order to do their best work and, you know, feel satisfied at the end of the day. You know, in the conversations that you and I have had uh, over the last few years, one of the tools that we talk about most is the predictive index or PI. And I'm hoping on this podcast, you can briefly explain to those who are listening what PI is and essentially how it can help employers better manage their current employees. Oh, absolutely. So, um, and, and just by the way, I, I am a, a PI partner firm, but um, mm-hmm. this goes back to that column I was mentioning earlier. Um, I had investigated for my readers uh, what assessments uh, companies could confidently use pre-hire um, and post-hire for their human capital decisions. Most assessment systems that are on the market, and this goes back to my research, this is over you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, most assessments that are on the market are not designed uh, for human capital decisions um, for whatever reason. They can potentially reveal the protected classes if you're um, uh, looking at it from those terms, or they're a post-hire tool for communication or team building, those kinds of things. Don't get me wrong, they're great, So, but it's just making sure that we're using the tools appropriately. We don't want to make uh, a hiring decision with a tool that um, is, for example, discriminatory. That, that would be foolish. Nobody's, you know, we don't want to do that. Um, we, what we do want to understand is how do we simplify that data gathering? So this was one of the tools, the systems that I had found as a columnist. Uh, years went by and I was making those, uh, that decision to, to move and to do a different uh, business, which hence launching the companies. Um, wanted to understand how to best use this data simply, not just for understanding who are people that I'm considering bringing into my organization, but post-hire, how do I get the most out of my current people? Um, I always joke with my uh, clients, I'll be like, yeah, you probably did something silly before you, you met me and hired people just based on their resume or their um, how well they interviewed, right? Those kinds of things. <laughs> we want to understand what people are truly capable of. Uh, what is their focus area? How do I give them kudos or feedback? So when we're looking at our current people, um, I usually challenge folks, look at your current worker base. Is everybody giving you 100%? Is everybody performing at an A player level? You know, if not, why not? So it usually comes down to a couple of different areas. Um, The breakout from uh, not just what I do with the predictive index, and I'll come back to that, but just understanding what are the metrics for success? What are the key performance indicators? So what kind of people do I need doing certain types of work? 
And you can say anybody could do this job. No, no, not anybody could do the job. I, I literally lack the capacity to shut up. It is not my, <laughs> this is not my, my zone. But there's jobs that require people to be very task focused, working on uh, a single issue heads down for long periods of time. That is not my jam. So we have to understand the people and how they relate to a job. So jobs are like shoes. Don't force somebody into a pair of shoe that literally it's going to rub them the wrong way. Hmm. Then it's peers, the, the people I am putting together on a team, especially if I have cross-functional teams. I have to understand they have different expertise. They have different uh, perspectives on, on the goal, what we're trying to accomplish. Managers are a huge issue. I would tell you, uh, in my experience, managers have an outsized impact on employee performance bosses. So if you think about a really, really great manager and or boss, just you know, somebody higher up, you you want to work for them. You want to do more for them. And if you think about that okay or that bad boss, I mean, I hate to even go down that road, but there are bad bosses. Mm-hmm. You don't give it your all, right? You may even avoid interactions with that person. And they think they're great, by the way. Most bad bosses aren't, or even mediocre bosses, they're not trying to like not get the best out of their people. Most of them, I will tell you, simply don't understand the human piece of their work, the the coaching piece versus the go do this piece, the go the telling piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then culture. So we want to make sure that when we say we have uh, a culture of safety, that we're embodying that at all levels, right? It's not just a top-down word, right? We're, hey, we're a safe company, right? Or we're a people-focused company, or we're a fun company, whatever the words are. It's felt in actions. It's demonstrated by each person embodying whatever those uh, cultural uh, norms are. So the predictive index is, is a tool that is one of the tools that I use. Um, it, it, there's a core to it. There's job assessments. So um, analyzing roles. There's people assessments, behavioral and cognitive data. There's team assessments. There's also employee engagement um, tools and other services in there. And then my company is the only uh, company in the United States that does also the CATIL system. Hmm. This is a Swiss-based system that was designed specifically to um, augment the um, the excellent data that we get from the predictive index. And those are uh, competency-based interviewing guides. So stuff we can't measure. You can't imme- uh, measure t- integrity, for example. You know, communication. You ever see on a resume or a job posting, it says, excellent communication skills are required. And then you hire people and they couldn't communicate with somebody else. If it's like they're talking a different language, you know, you're going, man, he's speaking English, but I don't just don't get it. Like what the hell is he saying? Right. (laughs) So it's just understanding that communication is a competency. You can't uh, necessarily measure it. You have to understand and uh, investigate it by examples. And then um, we also do 360 assessments uh, going back to that manager piece. Anecdotally, Mm -hmm. every one of your managers thinks they're great. Get some data, <laughs> find out where the disconnects are. Um, and then you can actually create the training and development plans to understand how to help those managers uh, be successful. So th- that's just part of the system. You know, as you're talking, Dolly, it makes me think of, y- y- we use a lot of good adjectives, right? Uh, and it's easy for us to fall into good, bad, good boss, bad boss, uh, good employee, bad employee. Uh, but those are very subjective terms. And really what you're talking about with all these assessment tools is providing empirical evidence of not whether or not they're good or bad. It's about where are their strengths and where are their weaknesses? And do those strengths line up or are there weaknesses where it's like, yeah, that system is going to continue spiraling down 
given what the place that you've put a particular person, they're not going to be a good boss for the, that group of people or in that situation because they're being asked to do something that plays to their weakness, not their strength, right? And this is all data-driven, essentially. It, 100%, absolutely. So the behavioral and cognitive data uh, helps us understand how people will tackle their work, how they will um, understand a problem, whether that problem is um, task focused in nature or people focused in nature. I will tell you most problems have an element or a mix of both, but always tying it back to key performance indicators. So I am a huge fan of having organizational or long-term business uh, metrics for success. Um, I know I've talked to a couple of, at the couple of the quarterly meetings and I'm, I'm a huge fan of like long-term goals to, you know, our business is going to be here in 10 years or five years, whatever your uh, company does, because then you can walk those back three years, one year, quarterly, you know, monthly, those kinds of things. But the people piece needs to be tied to that. So it's not just where's our business going, what are our objectives, departmentally, team objectives. Uh, and that can be number of widgets walking out the door or being produced. It can be sales uh, metrics for the sales team, safety metrics, that, but there should be team uh, related metrics that tie directly to those long-term business objectives. And then on the team objectives, you need key performance indicators or metrics for performance for individual metrics. And your people should be able to not only understand what their individual metrics for success are, but how those metrics help support their team, their um, neighbors at work, whether they like each other or not. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we still have to work with that guy over here, right? So how those uh, metrics, my individual contributor metrics, how it helps our team to be successful, and then how those metrics play into the long-term business objectives. And if you think about, um, you know, the guys that are, you know, dirt in the nails, you know, real solid of the earth type jobs, when we're looking at those kinds of jobs, how empowering do you think it is for them to understand that um, our company is going to be number one in the region for, you know, whatever, you know, name the, the big goal, the big metric. And that's giving them ownership of understate, not an ownership stake, financial stake, but ownership of the big goals, understanding where we are going and how my piece contributes to that. Now, I'll tell you, that's not only empowering for them to understand long-term where the goals are going, but it gives them a, a sense of purpose. So when we talk about work-life balance, it's not just you know making sure we're not you know sending emails at night and over the weekend. It's understanding that my job has meaning. The work that I do is contributing to a bigger uh, issue, a bigger purpose, a bigger uh, initiative that positively impacts my community, my you know family, my team, whatever the the big goals are and the ramifications. So, Dolly, I know this is going to be a, a tall order, but real quickly, you know, we we've really been focused on. Um, current hires and really talking about them. But you mentioned it a little bit of like, this has applicability to uh, new hires as well. Can we can we spend a few minutes, uh, our last few minutes together sort of talking about that? Uh, how can this data that you're collecting through PI, these, I should say not the data, but the assessment tools, PI and, and whatnot, uh, be applied to uh, a company's hiring process? Like how can it benefit how they go about bringing in new people? Oh, absolutely. It's just being more strategic about uh, bringing in people. It's understanding what you're getting before you get them into the job. 
Um, I have never heard somebody come to me and go, boy, I had to let somebody go because I didn't have the right skills. Like that, that just, (laughs) that's very atypical. They usually get let go because of some other thing. They weren't listening to what I was giving them or they didn't understand how I was, you know, whatever. There's other people related things that are typically related to why people letting uh, get let go. So for example, with the, the PI, the predictive index part of it, uh, you would have a job assessment first. So uh, just picking on um, uh, like a Sawyer role, like we've, we, you and I have talked about that before in the past, mm-hmm. um, you know, clearly identifying the behavioral and cognitive qualities that would make somebody successful in that job quickly getting them up to speed, understanding how they learn, think, process information, mapping then applicants. So one of the things that I would like to do is make sure, you know, hey, I have however many applicants for this job. I want to map those applicants to that ideal so that I, A, I understand who's going to be more likely to be successful right out of the gate. And B, there are 7.58 million people on this planet. There's 7.58 billion iterations of these behavioral and cognitive qualities, not to mention those competencies that I was talking about, not to mention the skills that I was talking about. So we have to understand every single person is unique. There is no home run. There is no perfect fit. What you want is to understand when there are gaps, what resources, time, training, whatever, are you going to have to dedicate to getting that person up to speed more quickly so that they'll be more likely to be successful? I want to take that and weave that language, whatever those things are, into my job descriptions. Um, job descriptions that are just like we we need a you know a production person, and it doesn't really say you know what are the reporting requirements, what the what are the expectations are. And I know we try really hard to to tell people that, but we have to be very descriptive. But we also have to add the behavioral and cognitive language back into those job descriptions so that people understand really what they're getting into. Um, for example, I mentioned I'm a talker. It's not my jam. If you say, you know, the successful candidate will be able to work uh, long periods of time uh, independently, quietly producing uh, quality work in a repetitious manner day in and day out, that I'm never going to apply for that job, right? Or my pattern, people who have my pattern, they're never going to apply for that kind of role because there's literally, in my case, not enough money to make me sit quietly <laughs> for any length of time. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we're laughing, but it's true, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But when we understand what that ideal is, we can search source more toward people who will be successful for a long-term affiliation with our organization. Or if we know that they're not a perfect fit, maybe they have to come in at a lower level role, um, at more of an introductory role. But then we can train them up and get them into another role in our organization where they're going to be more likely to be successful. Hmm. So it's just understanding that we need to have a talent plan that uh, relates not just to the work that we need to be done, but long term, where are our folks going to be in the organization? Um, I was just, in fact, talking uh, with another uh, SBCA uh, client member, and we were talking about cross training because you know, sometimes my development plans may not be, I'm hiring a production person that's going to be the next superstar designer, right? That that may not be uh, the path for that person. But if I'm investing, so this goes back into investing in my people, if I'm investing in them by teaching them cross-training and other roles in the, you know, on the production yard, I can actually understand better how to keep them engaged. Engaged doesn't mean happy necessarily. Engaged means actively, willingly moving the organization toward those big picture 
objectives and my and understanding my piece in those objectives, my tiny little widget, how it uh, helps move the organizational's you know clock mechanisms, if you will. I love it, Dolly. It has been so great talking with you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, totes, man! You, you should have me back. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. And speaking of our next podcast, Dolly and I are going to continue our discussion <laughs> on, on what an employer's number one tool is for finding future employees. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.